Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solution from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. The show is powered by Collaborative Solutions Group, and we are at it again. We are so, so grateful to every one of you guys that keep coming back and listening. And so many of you uh, share the show. Uh, we see it on social media. We, we, we get emails from folks that have said that uh, somebody shared one episode and then folks uh, uh, got hooked. And so, man, it is so rewarding to hear that. Uh, if this is your first time, though, and you've never tuned in before, um, allow me to say thank you. And and maybe more importantly, you need to start writing a thank you note to whoever it is that introduced you to the show, because I'm telling you, you're going to love it. You're going to like what we're doing. Uh, we've got an exceptional guest. So if you're a business professional, if you're a, a performance-based person where like uh, insight matters, where, where personal development and growth is going to have a direct correlation to how you go to life and go to market, you are in for a treat. Today, we've got a new friend uh, of the program, and, and he's an expert at many, many things. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. Um, we always start the show the same way. We've done hundreds and hundreds of shows. We've not missed one, so we'll make sure we start that way this time as well. And that's just in a quick prayer. We just want to say, Lord, bless the show, our sponsors, our, our, our guests. Uh, just let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay. Amen. So friends, I'm telling you, um, we, we had just a brief chat before we hit the record button, but Charles Reed is on the program today. And what I've already come to know is you don't get to see him because the show is audio only, but he's got just, you know, when you see a person and you just kind of feel charm, just come right off their cheeks and <laughs> seems like a, like a warm person. You, I, I can see that right here on the screen, but Charles is a certified public accountant, okay? Uh, a U.S. tax court practitioner, and and he is really, really exceptional. Uh, he's got lots and lots of insight that I want him to share with us from payroll services to tax services, all the things that we need in our life. Maybe not the most fun stuff, right? This is why we hire people like Charles. This is why we need to buy one of his four books. This is why we have him on the show today because we want to maybe figure out what are the strategies and tips that'll advance my business, advance my life. And so today I'm so excited. Our new friend, Charles Reed is with us. Charles, thank you so much for being with us. Titus, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Charles, I know that the folks that tune in, they're just used to good guests, people that tell great stories, that, that unpack who they are and sprinkle these nuggets along the way that, that are noteworthy things. I know you're going to be the same. Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what made you um, break the mold. Because I have an eight and six-year-old, Charles. And when I say, what do you want to be when you get older? They say, Batman. Okay. They say, they say, they say silly stuff. Um, I don't know a kids that say, I want to be one of the smartest guys in the room at financial planning, tax preparation. You, I don't know if maybe you started as a six-year-old that said, I'm going to be the guy that, that, that pens four books and I'm going to uh, be able to guide business owners and people on taxes and payroll, but that's who you are today. But tell us where you came from. Well, I'm a Midwestern boy. I grew up in Iowa. And Iowa winters is why I put up with Texas summers. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, went to high school. After high school, I wasn't ready for college. Uh, my parents were university graduates, but I wasn't ready. So I joined the Marine Corps after a few months, spent four years in service, two years overseas, six months in Vietnam, came back, was stationed in Kansas City, met my wife. My wife had five children when I married her. I just claim insanity. <laughs> but uh, we were married for 45 years before she passed. So it worked for us. Uh, got out of service and found that my experience and knowledge and, and education that I'd gained in the service, because I was a computer programmer and systems engineer, trained up in, in COBOL and AutoCoder and Fortran and other things, had progressed to a systems engineer designing systems, and business thought that it didn't apply because it was military. They were idiots, but they're no better today. They hadn't been there. They didn't understand. So I figured I'd go back to college, get my uh, certificates. So, you know, my credentials. So I went and got my BBA, my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam while I was still in graduate school. I went to work for Texas Instruments, spent 15 years in the corporate world, uh, small and large corporations moving up the ladder. Realized I was never going to run a major corporation because I didn't have the political skills. I was unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. Mm. So if I was going to run a company, I was going to have to have my own, like my father did. So in my early 40s, Ruth and I started our own business. And that was uh, 30 years ago. Last month, we incorporated it. Wow. So that's where it happened. And we... we Started with a mobile accounting service with a payroll sideline, did that for a number of years. Uh, the mobile went away. And then here about 10 years ago, I sold off the accounting and tax to my partner and I kept the payroll. And that's what we've been doing and I've been doing ever since is payroll services for small and medium-sized businesses around the country. And it's a fascinating business. I'm dealing with the IRS on a regular basis, which is a, a game. It, it's a blast for me because... As my lawyer used in a different set of circumstances, it's kind of like playing high stakes poker with somebody else's money. <laughs> I tell you know I tell my clients don't talk to the IRS because you'll just get upset and and uh, uh, say nasty things to them and so on and they won't want to help you. And then here a couple of months ago they'd screwed up on on my taxes, and oh, I no. got on the phone and I was screaming and yelling at them and calling them names and oh man in the back of my mind it's saying Charles, don't do that. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. That's not helping. And I couldn't yeah. stop myself. <laughs> oh, no. It's tough, though, right? I mean, when we get frustrated, no matter what the subject matter is, we we become, um, what is it? The, the, the dog should wag the tail, not the tail wag the dog. But do, do we not get, uh, <laughs> we are a slave to our own tail when we get emotional, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's not the way to deal with the IRS. You know, <laughs> okay. For the most part, they're good people. Their fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, they're good people. They are civil servants. So there's no profit motive. There's no drive to succeed in the same way that we see in business. They're civil sure. servants. And that's okay. There's 100,000 of them. Yeah. But uh, uh, if you're nasty to them, uh, they'll be like any other business person. Yeah. They'll be nasty in return. <laughs> Absolutely. 30, 30 years of accounting and and. Uh, how important that is. I, I run across a lot of, uh, and Charles, I want your perspective on this. I run across a lot of 
entrepreneurs, a lot of startup people, a lot of people that got irritated on a Friday afternoon and quit without a notice. And then, you know, they were able to create a free Facebook page. So then they're in business on Monday morning Mm -hmm. uh, with whatever their idea is. And let's dismiss for a moment that it could be foolhardy to just uh, make that assumption in in, in 24 hours that that you ought to be running a business. But when you do make that decision, you are running a business and, and, and and you've got to know things and, and you've got to make decisions. And a lot of times I see that folks forego bringing in outside help and support. They just go, I'll do it myself. I know how to count. I know how to uh, manage this, that I, I can, I've got to check an account. And I watch them make that mistake. This idea of fractional CPA, fractional bookkeeping, fra- having, having folks involved such as yourself um, for some reason is, is lost on them. And I, I don't know why, but uh, then it becomes a habit and a pattern and they just, they keep trying to do it on their own. And I don't know why in the world they would do that because I don't know how to fix the, the, the faucet when it leaks, I call a plumber. So how do you, how do you unpack for the listeners right now that are thinking, um, I'm either going to keep paying an exorbitant amount of money to have an in-house person, uh, or I'm just going to do it myself. And, and maybe they need to start thinking about some of the things they don't know because you don't know what you don't know. And Charles, you probably know more than we do. Well, and I understand having been a small business started out, I am still a small business in, in reality. Money's tight. Uh, you may have your 401k or your IRA, but you've quit your job and you, know, you still have to put food on the table. So you try to uh, be frugal wherever possible. Personally, I feel that you can overdo frugality to the point where it, it, it's harmful. Uh, outsourcing, payroll, accounting, uh, you, you need a lawyer, you need an accountant, you need a banker, you need an insurance agent when you go into business. Those four things are necessary. And you don't have to have them in-house, but you have to outsource those services because you don't know enough about any of those four, and all four of them are critical to your success. You've got to have bank accounts. You've got to move money. Uh, We move a lot of money for our clients. Uh, You've got to have a lawyer to advise you on your risks and to review contracts and so on. You need an accountant, uh, if nothing else, to make sure your taxes are right because the IRS is a very, very unforgiving partner if you get into a partnership with them because you owe money. Mm -hmm. An insurance agent to handle your liability and, and keep you out of hot water. So those are the four people that I think you need to have in starting a new business. Uh, the accountant should do payroll. And if they don't do payroll, that's part of the accounting and use a payroll service like us. Uh, the, the cost to outsource payroll, as opposed to the time you would spend doing it and the mistakes you would make because you don't know what you don't know yeah, uh, are huge. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day. There's a number of things like 45S where you can get a uh, tax credit for paying for time off if somebody's sick and you pay them. You you can get a tax credit if you know what you're doing. If you don't, you just wasted that money. Yeah. The IRS in fiscal 19, I don't have the 20 numbers yet, uh, issued $13 billion of employment tax penalties half of which got abated by people like me who know what they're doing. They were reversed. They were, they were taken, they were removed. If you don't know how to get those removed, your only choice is to write the check. Yeah. 40% of small businesses got tagged 
with a penalty that averaged $800. All of a sudden, payroll is free if you can avoid those penalties. Yeah. So that, that's one that's a no-brainer. Outsourcing makes all the sense in the world. You know, as you get bigger, you backstop yourself with people like I have, like you do, uh, like every successful business person does, with areas they're not experts in. On your intro, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. The trick is to hire the smartest person in the room, okay? Come on. Yeah. So you hire people for that job. You hire for that uh, position, and you hire uh, good people uh, that can do the job and do it effectively. So you don't have to. I could not run my business by myself. Uh, yeah. I gave up wearing all the hats a long time ago. You can't see me, but I'm, I'm as bald as you are. Well, <laughs> your clients can't, your listeners can't see me, but I'm as bald as you are. <laughs> and that's from wearing all those hats all those years. Yeah. So I've given up a lot of them, but my biggest job now is to make sure that I solve problems for my employees to make it easier for them to do their job. That's right. That's right. That, 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 that's the ingredient, probably the, one of the most success, uh, most important ingredients to success that I tell clients all the time as a business coach is really identifying like, what is it that you're great at and that you love doing? Yep. And then making the list, you'll find out real quick what you're not great at. You'll find out even quicker what you hate doing. Um, And what's weird about this world, Charles, there's enough humans out here that are probably love doing what you hate doing and they're fantastic at it. Mm -hmm. And if, if we would, uh, if we would connect with those people and let them be a part of our success equation, uh, could you imagine the, 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 the amount of success that we would get? That's what we tell clients all the time. I'm, I realized after many years that I can't market my way out of a paper bag. And so I finally hired marketing people here a a few years ago. And our growth has been substantially higher than it had ever been in the past. And if I'd hired marketing people 30 years ago, I'd be a rich man today. There you go. So I, 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 you know, I thought I was better than I was. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing when we come to awareness, uh, what happens, we, we make better choices. Talk to us a little bit, uh, Charles, about offense versus defense, right? Um, I think that folks get excited about buying books or listening to shows or reading articles with taglines and titles that say how to get rich. Um, the three the three things to do. Um but I, I oftentimes think that defense, a good defense, right? We learned this in football. Good defense uh, beats a good offense almost always. And I, I, I think somewhat what, what something you just said a moment ago was eye opening. I can stop you. I can prevent you from money going out the door, right? We all we we want to spend so much time figuring out how to get a dollar in, but it's Charles. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it? Maybe it's more important to keep the money we make than to just make money, right? I mean, if you if you bring money in but you can't you can't keep it in, what good was it? Well, Am I wrong? The, no, you're you're not wrong. I mean, obviously you have to bring it in, but to waste it once you bring it in, either through inefficiency, uh, fraud, theft, all sure. these things, uh, paying too much in taxes paying too much in, in salaries, paying too much in overhead, all these things. If, if you can save a dollar and you're making a 10% margin on what you sell, if you can save a dollar in-house, this is the equivalent of selling $10 of merchandise or $10 mm. of services. That's so it, it, it's a magnifier. 
So you always want to be careful. Internal control, being an accountant, internal control is, is critical to me so that everything is accounted for. You know where everything is going. You know what you're spending, where you're spending it, why you're spending it, how you're spending it, when you're, you know, the whole bit. That, that's extremely important. Your accountant should help you minimize taxes. Again, if you're at a 10% margin, every dollar you save in taxes is like selling another $10 of merchandise. Yeah, so if that accountant can save you $1,000 in taxes that year, you just made a $10,000 sale. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but for me, a $10,000 sale is a big yeah. sale. So yeah. uh, anytime we can save money, I've had people that are, are big spenders and we've moved them on. Uh, I had a secretary who liked to buy stuff and uh, she left, oh, 17, 18 years ago. And we're still using some of the supplies she bought. Oh, man. So, okay. Yeah. I've not, my money would have been a lot bigger if I'd had it in the bank for 18 years instead of on the shelf as as folders. Wow. So, yeah. You've got to be, all those things you have to be careful on payroll fraud, ghost employees, wasted time. If you're a manufacturing facility and you don't have a time clock, if you've got people remote and you don't have, a way to track their time that they're working, uh, you're probably throwing away 10% of your payroll. Mm. That, that's, that's industry average. If you don't have timekeeping, you're wasting 10% of your labor. It's not happening. We had a client uh, that had a time clock, a professional operation, imaging center, educated people. That time clock was in the, in the back corridor. And I talked to Joanne and I said, you know, you really need to put in a biometric clock. She said, oh, we don't need it. We trust our people. And I said, okay, let's do this. Let's put a camera up on the ceiling and focus it on the camera, on the time clock for a week and see what happens. And she says, fine. At the end of the week, she fired three people. They were punching their buddies in and out Mm. that weren't there. So she just, it was just wasted money. It was just money going out the door for nothing. So defense is extraordinarily important. Now, marketing and getting sales in, it's is as important as well. But sure. if you're not controlling your costs and preventing fraud and uh, getting the best deal for yourself, you know, you're you're lost. Yeah, I, I find Charles that most of my clients. Um, their greatest expense is payroll. Uh, yeah. You know, gr- more than cost of goods. More than what they spend a year on marketing and advertising, more than what they spend on utilities, uh, even more uh, significantly more than what they might spend on rent and lease fees and vehicle expenses, insurances. Nothing outweighs, uh, unless maybe you're just a solo, you know, a company of one. But but when you get to a certain number of growth, nothing outweighs the expense of payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there one or two tips? You know, maybe somebody is is not yet quite sold on it, or or their budget still maybe doesn't allow for it, or they've convinced themselves that their budget doesn't allow for it because because they're not understanding the cost savings. Is there a tip or two that you could give uh, some of the the you know small to medium sized businesses out there on on ways they can really be careful with their payroll? You kind of just mentioned one with the biometric, but is there one or two more tips that someone listening right now could say, I'm going to put that into practice, see if it helps minimize some of uh, potential wasted payroll expenses? 
Well, the ghost employees and, and the buddy punching is, is a big one, of course. Uh, the bigger you are, the more likely you are to get hit with that. But beyond that, uh, it's, it's taxes, it's penalties, it's interest on, on those penalties. Uh, controlling that is critical because, again, the IRS is a very unforgiving partner. And if you owe them money, they are going to collect one way or another. Uh, and sometimes if it's money you didn't deposit and you should have, which is a critical mistake. Uh, I tell my clients, if you can't pay the payroll taxes, don't pay the payroll. You'd rather have your employees suing you than the IRS after you, because uh, the money you're supposed to withhold from employees' checks that if you don't deposit it, you can't discharge that in bankruptcy. They'll come take your house. Uh, personal. That, that it, it goes through the corporate veil. You're personally liable for it forever. So you wow. got to be careful on that. But if, if you're dealing with the IRS, you have to answer every letter. Even if you get the same letter the second time, answer it. Uh, even if you just send a copy of your first letter. So you've got to be proactive with the Internal Revenue Service and with the states. But make sure you know what your taxes are. Make sure you understand what you have to pay, when you have to pay it. Avoid those penalties. Avoid the interest on the penalties. But in terms of actual people, uh, hire the right people, uh, pay them the right uh, salary or, their, or hourly rate, uh, control overtime, uh, and, and get the work for the time you spend. Uh, again, you have to pay the people for the time they work. If you suffer them as the term to work, you have to pay them. But control it. Make sure that if you've given them an hour lunch, they take an hour lunch. They're not charging you for that as overtime. Yeah. Uh, control overtime because overtime is extraordinarily expensive. Uh, once you get into interstate commerce, and basically anybody is in interstate commerce these days, you have to pay time and a half overtime, whether you want to or not. Another thing is a, a big problem is classification. You don't get to choose whether they're, they get overtime or not. The law sets that. You don't get to say, oh, I'm just going to put them on salary. And so I don't have to pay them overtime. That's not a choice you get to make. And if you make the wrong choice and the Labor Department comes back three years later and wants all the overtime for all those hours, along with penalties and interest and, and sanctions and so on and so forth, it can put you out of business. So you have to be careful about classification, overtime versus non-overtime, and independent contractor versus employee. This is a mistake that a lot of small business startups make. I'm just going to write them a check. You know, I'm just going to treat them as a 1099er. You don't get to make that choice. There's a whole body of law, and it changes. There was a new set of regulations that had been set up by the Trump Labor Department that were supposed to go into effect the 8th of March. This year, and on the 6th of March, the Biden administration Labor Department canceled them. So it changes, and you have to know what it is, and you have to be aware of it. And if you misclassify people, I've had businesses go out of business because of the penalties that were forced on them for misclassifying employees. We're talking to Charles Reed right here on Solutions from the Huddle. He is the founder and owner of Get 
payroll. Uh, you guys can can learn more about this organization by going to getpayroll.com. Charles, uh, we're going to take just a quick break here. And on the other side, um, I want to know a little bit what it was like working for Texas Instrument because, I mean, all of us grew up with the calculators, right? Everybody, every listener right now uh, knows the name. I want to know a little bit about that. And I want to know about uh, about your most recent book. I know you've got something brand new and something exciting for our listeners right on the other side of the break. Uh, We're taking just a quick moment here to say thank you to the partners and sponsors of Solutions from the Huddle. Uh, If you want to learn more about the organizations, the companies that stand with us and partner next to us, just go to team-csg.com. That's team-csg.com. And when you click on the Solutions from the Huddle tab, you'll see all the really wonderful companies that stand with us. And we wouldn't stand next to them if we didn't think it wasn't worth checking them out. So click on their logos and learn more about their companies. All right. With Charles Reed here, uh, uh, founder, owner of Get Payroll. Make sure you guys check out getpayroll.com. Charles, uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like working at Texas Instrument. Um, uh, was it fun? Was it cool? Because I remember the the calculator was so expensive. I, I had to get it. And if I got like a knockoff, I got made fun of in school, right? Because all the cool kids got the name brand, fancy one. And it had like when, when the teacher wasn't looking, you could play a game on it, right? Like it had a game because I didn't know what half the buttons did, but I knew how to play the game when the teacher wasn't paying attention. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience before we get to your book. Well, I went to work for Texas Instruments in January of 77. Uh, actually, it got delayed a couple of days because we had an ice storm in Dallas uh, at that, oh. that first week in January. And I went to work in the consumer products area, which was at... Uh, uh, Texas Instruments headquarters at uh, US 75 and I 635 in Dallas. Um, and it was fun. Uh, we had new products. We all got issued a uh, Texas Instrument calculator that was programmable with magnetic strips and everything else. Wow. It was top of the line. I think it was TI 82. And then that was great. And I, in fact, I programmed it to do my wife's payroll at her <laughs> restaurant. So, uh, we could plug it in and calculate the things so she could put it on and send it into headquarters to get her checks issued. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'd been there about four months and they decided to move the consumer products group to Lubbock, Texas. And they told me my job was going to Lubbock and I could either go or find some other work. So they moved us up to Lubbock, which my daughters were not happy about. Oh. Uh, they were at Plano High School and uh, they were with their friends. And they didn't want to leave. So we were in Lubbock for a year. Uh, then I moved to a different job in TI and they moved me back. But the telling thing with TI for me personally as an accountant is in 78, they were having a company meeting and it was broadcast throughout all their facilities worldwide. Jerry Junkins was the president. And he explained how they hired 6,000 new graduates the year before. 5,000 were engineers. And how these engineers were the future of TI. And they would have them in the the engineering area. And then to bring them out and put them in the business. And then put them back in engineering. Put them back in business. And grow them over the years. And he spent about 10 minutes describing the whole procedure. And then he said, and we hired 1,000 other graduates. And went on to the next subject. Oh. I was one of those other thousand. Oh, man. So he just said, 
you don't, you're not the future of the company. We really don't have any plans for you. The fact that you're an MBA and a CPA, well, we, we don't care. So I, shortly after that, I left Texas Instruments sure. because I wanted a future. Yeah. And it, the, they had no, at that point in time, they had no VPs that were not engineers. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's why TI is, in my opinion, has never been what they could have been. Sure. You don't know it, but TI invented the personal computer. I worked on one. I've saw, seen the actual working thing. And they let IBM steal the market from them. Wow. They, they had lots of a lot, they, the wonderful engineering company, wonderful products, incredible talent and, and, and creativity. And like me, they couldn't market their way out of a paper bag because they were engineers yeah. and they didn't hire it. And, and they gave up billions and billions of dollars of market share because they didn't know how to bring things to market. But that's, yeah, TI. it's always been that way. Well, you know, I think that's true. There, there's, there's a lot of stories like that, right? I mean, we, we look at something like the, the big monster, uh, what was thought to be as A plus rated as, as the dollar, uh, Sears Roebuck. I mean, we thought there's no way in the world that Sears would do anything but be the, the cornerstone of commerce in America uh, with over a hundred years of of kind of being in charge, and 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 they just couldn't they couldn't see the vision of Amazon, right? They just thought, nope, we're going to keep mailing a magazine to people, and, and this online thing is just not going to happen. And uh, and good lord, did they lose out to uh, what we all get brown boxes delivered to our front doors every day with Amazon? I worked for pennies for a while. Same thing. They, yeah. This was 30 years ago before I started here. It was my last job, basically, uh, before I started this, uh, working for pennies as an assistant controller. And they were still big, uh, high on their uh, uh, catalog. And, of course, it was a disaster. Um, yeah. I haven't seen a pennies catalog in 25 years. Yeah, I haven't seen wow. a Sears catalog in, in at least that long as well. So sure. you're right. Uh, things change. And if you're not willing to change with the times, and keep on top of things. I mean, Sears was in a perfect place to have the distribution. Yeah. They had oh, the facilities. They yes. had trucks. They had people. Uh, they Everything. could have been Amazon in a heartbeat. Easier than yep. Bezos created Amazon. That's right. Uh, you know, they were huge worldwide. They, they could yeah. have been, they, they could have done it. So could a Kmart that's almost disappeared. And there's yeah. others. One, one of the things is that if you let your ego as a owner, as a uh, major mover in a company, get in the way and you think you're better or you know more, you're going to lose. I kind of want to do my next book is, you know, park your ego at the door and a study of of all these disasters that have happened because um, egos have gotten away. Remember when uh, uh, Dunlap went to take over Scott Paper, Mm. uh, Chainsaw Dunlap? And, mm-hmm. you know, the, they, they thought that was great. And he was a, kind of an asshole. Yeah. And he, he got booted out shortly thereafter because the results were, were terrible. Um, he let his ego get in the way. As, as met, uh, I'll tell you one that's even worse. Kodak, which oh. is in bankrupt. Kodak invented the digital camera. Yeah, Kodak was. They had the original patents on digital camera. King and they the thought. Hill. It would never be anything. The film was they what owned mattered. the market. Yeah, they thought, "Who cares? We just want we want the film." 
they were short-sighted. They didn't see the big picture. Yeah. You know, they, they, I, I, um, we had a, um, a guest on our show, uh, Jeffrey Hazlett, who was the MCO, um, or the CMO, uh, for, for Kodak managed billions of dollars of marketing. That's how big they were. Um, I, you know, I have to, I talked with a lot of companies. I work with a lot of companies, a lot of big major national brands, Charles, very, 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 very few of them have multi-billion dollar marketing budgets. Okay. Yeah, Kodak, I I had one. the fact that Kodak had billions of dollars for a marketing budget <laughs> means they were an extraordinarily successfully cash strong business. Um, Apple had nothing on what Kodak could be, but I, I, I so agree with you that ego gets in the way of, of the vision that we try to cast as leaders. I heard it said this way, Charles, one time that um, I'm, a, I'm a man of faith. And so I heard somebody say this and I, it stuck with me that ego is really nothing more than us edging God out of the equation, right? We, and, and, and really what it is, it's just us saying that I'm the biggest, most important thing right now. There's nothing bigger than me. We edge out everything else and me, 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 me. And, and man, that gets us in trouble, right? Every time. Every, Every time. time. Yeah. I want to know a little bit about your book before we, we have to uh, uh, let you go. I, I know you're sure. busy, but, but tell us a little bit about your latest book. I know it's book number four for you. Is that right? Right. It's book number four. It's called The Payroll Book, A Guide for Small Businesses and Startups. It's basically 30 years of experience or 40 years of experience distilled down to 95,000 words. I get asked questions all the time about payroll, obviously. And there's nothing out there for the small business person about payroll. The only other real guide is from the American Payroll Association, and it's $600, and it's designed to train people to become certified payroll processors. So I wanted to give something for clients and potential clients, and the guy who says, I can do it myself. And I understand that. Uh, I helped my father do with his payroll when I was younger in his business, uh, year-end and taxes and so on. So it took me two years. It was, a lot, it was a lot bigger task than I thought it was going to be to get it down. Uh, you know, it's like if you ask me to speak for a day, it's simple. If you ask me to speak about something for 20 minutes, that's a real problem to write that's just right. 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. So it took a couple of years, but it's, it's a guide. It, it goes through the things you need to know how to actually do a payroll, and then the ancillary things such as PEOs and SCHEED and handbooks and so on that are payroll related. And it's to give the small business person, the entrepreneur, a real guide to how to do it and a handbook for, oh, shit, what do I do now? Yeah. And look it up, check the index. I, I'm going to tell you, indexing is a whole art form. I thought, well, I just do the index. I'll get an app and or a program that will do it and so on. And after a week, I went back to Wiley and said, you've got professional uh, indexers. And they said, yeah, and it's an extra $800. And I said, deal. Yeah. Yeah, because you've already so, learned that lesson, right? I, it, was, it was the $800 was a fraction of what I was going to spend on my time, and I would have gotten a much poorer product. Uh, this wow. one is published by Wiley. Yeah, so it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and so on. But for your listeners, if they like a copy of the book, I will gladly send them a free copy. 
no shipping, no handling. We'll just send it to them. If they will go to the payrollbook.com and enter the discount code. And Titus, what's the discount code? Uh, it's, it's the initials for the show. So solutions from the huddle. That's so S F T H. If they go to that website and they type into the code S F T H, you're going to send them a free book, a free book. Uh, they'll get it. It'll take, it goes out book rate. So it takes a week or 10 days to get there. Sure. But, and if nothing else, it's a great cure for insomnia. <laughs> Charles, what's the website they need to go to again? The, the payrollbook.com. I love it. Man, what a special treat. I, I hope everybody takes a moment, pauses, maybe even shares with some of the other business owners that you know uh, to get your hands on this free resource. There's no gimmick. There's no sales pitch here. But I'll tell you, one of the, one of the favorite things, um, you know, when, I, when I look at your business, uh, Charles, uh, 5,000 plus clients, uh, near, nearly a, a, a quarter of a million payrolls processed, 30 years in business, 100 tax court wins. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of impressive things when people go to getpayroll.com. And if this book is the 30 years of your experience and your certifications and your training, um, I can't imagine why folks won't take a moment, pause, uh, and just go to the payrollbook.com and, and put in solutions from the huddle. Uh, j- just the initials though. So, th- so just S F T H and, uh, and get themselves a free book. Uh, if, if, if they are still on the fence for some reason, what's maybe the biggest eye opener, the biggest takeaway after you wrote the book, you said, Oh my gosh, I, this thing jumped off the pages. Like, Oh my God, I, everyone has to know this, right? This is the thing that it's going to be a, a turn the corner. I'm sure there's dozens of those in the book. But what's one of the biggest takeaways that they're going to hope to get from this book? There are ways to avoid and or abate IRS and state penalties. And as I said, in fiscal 19, it was $16 billion of penalties issued. You can avoid all those. And when the IRS makes mistakes, and the IRS makes mistakes, millions of them every year, they made them on my stuff, my personal, my corporate, as well as all my clients. We get things all the time, and they're just flat wrong. Yeah, It's amazing, but they're dealing with old technology and civil servants and lack of training. And so there's millions of mistakes. And when they make a mistake, there's ways to correct it if you know what you're doing. And that chapter on how to avoid penalties and how to abate penalties uh, – is critical for small businesses. Otherwise, you're that's just right. writing the check. And that's not defense. No, it's not. No, it's that's not. That's an offense against you. <laughs> Man, listen, that's a forced error against yourself. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat a team that's working hard, right? Your comp- I tell people your competition is working just as hard, if not harder than you to, to capture the market. And what you can't do is fight them and yourself and expect to win. Right. And, um, and one of my favorite phrases is, for small businesses and for, for your people, for your listeners uh, and my clients, is there is never a traffic jam on the extra mile. That's right. So go that extra mile for your clients because your competitors won't. That's right. They're trying hard, but they won't go that extra mile. And if you do, like we do for our clients, go that extra mile. Uh, in comparison to the majors, uh, our retention rate is out of the ballpark. We don't lose clients. They die. 
some of them go bankrupt, some sell out to a competitor, but we don't lose clients going to some other service. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, it doesn't happen because we go the extra mile for our clients. And that's a tip that uh, all your listeners need to, to, to take to heart, go that extra yeah. mile. What a great piece of advice. You know, I'll say this, people that are in your industry, Charles, I, I've come to know that that more than than the average, right? So so six or more out of 10 tend to really care uh, about saving their clients money and, and, and making a difference and helping folks do the right thing. And, and I've had the privilege to do coaching and training for folks in your industry. And what I've, what I've learned out of all the different industries that I get to come alongside of, your industry is filled with people that really care about personal development, professional growth. They want to make themselves better. And generally those people, um, those are folks you want to hire and you want to have in your corner. When a, when a man or a woman says, I want to be the best version of myself, I like to do business with those people. And there's no doubt in my mind uh, that is you, Charles. So thank you so much, friends. I want to just make sure one more encouragement. Go to thepayrollbook.com. It's not hard. It's thepayrollbook.com. In fact, maybe maybe that uh, going to that website is just the first step of going the extra mile for yourself. And make sure when you do that, you put in the initials for the show. That's S. F-T-H, Solutions from the Huddle, and you will get a free copy sent to you uh, directly from Charles Reed himself. Charles, uh, man, it's been such a pleasure and a joy. Thank you for the insight, and I hope now I hope you come back and do the show again. More than happy to, Titus. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, guys. Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.